Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you realize that anyone can make a difference. This week's guest is Kate Ahern, who worked on a bunch of different political campaigns, including most recently as a fellow on Senator John Ossoff's campaign in Georgia. I talked with Kate about her experience working on that campaign and about the events that took place at the nation's capital directly following the news about Georgia's election results. I'm super excited to share our conversation, so without further ado, let's get started. So my name's Kate Ahern. I'm 20 years old, and I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania. I've been involved with politics now for five years, so it's been, it's been a while. Um, I've been involved with activism and working on campaigns since then. Most recently, this year, um, during the 2020 election cycle, I was working with the Progressive Turnout Pack, and I was working on my home congressional district's campaign race for the Democratic incumbent, and I was also volunteering with the Biden-Harris campaign. And most, most recently, I was just working on John Ossoff's campaign. So that was for, obviously, the runoff elections that were in Georgia, and that was my year wrapped up about politics. Wow, yes. Thank you for that introduction. It's definitely been a busy year in politics. So how did you come to be in politics? What or maybe who inspired your political engagement? Because you've obviously been working in politics for quite some time now. Sure. So in 2008, my parents were actually working on Barack Obama's presidential campaign. And this was before he was even the nominee. This was during the primaries. And he had visited Scranton and my parents took me and we were able to meet him afterwards because my parents were working closely with his campaign at that point. And I remember meeting him and he just gave me a piece of advice that really sparked my my passion for public service. And I remember him telling me that the greatest thing about America is that anyone could make a difference in it. And that really stuck with me and it really impacted me as a young girl. And yeah, it's it's influenced me ever since. And that's kind of what spurred me to want to get involved with public service and community activism and politics. Definitely. So you've worked on so many campaigns at this point. How was working on Senator John Ossoff's campaign? Tell me some about that experience, because it must have just been so exciting with all of the national attention surrounding it. So I was a fellow for that campaign. And so most of what I did was voter outreach. I also did a little bit of research trying to find out the voter demographics of the Atlanta metro region where we were, our team was situated for that campaign. And it was definitely interesting. I will definitively say that a lot of people were more fired up about this campaign than the other ones that I've experienced. Usually when you call voters, when you do things like voter outreach, 
you get a lot of people who don't want to talk to you and a lot of people who kind of have voter apathy and they aren't very excited one way or the other about the political process. But everyone I spoke to understood the gravity of this race, which is what made it so different than the other campaigns that I'd worked on in the past. And it was very, very refreshing to see that. I, I obviously wish everyone would treat every election like that because I think they're all important, but it was, it was good to see that at least this election, people were very passionate about it. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So, of course, I'd also really like to talk to you about the events that took place at the Capitol on January 6th. I'm sure you were hearing all of the good news coming from Georgia in the morning, only to see the news coming from D.C. in the afternoon. Tell me about how that day went for you. So I began the day extremely excited about the win, very surprised, actually. I was really only expecting us to flip one of the seats, so I was very pleasantly surprised when I woke up and it was confirmed that both candidates were going to be flipping the seats. And I had also predicted that the insurrection was going to happen at the Capitol. I'd been paying attention to what people had been saying in kind of right-wing groups on the internet and reports of those. And I was expecting something really, really bad to happen when this quote-unquote protest that they were having on the 6th was actually going to be taking place. So... I was kind of, it was a nail biter for me. I was just waiting for it to happen. Um, When the news coverage did start coming in that they had breached the Capitol, I just sat down in front of my TV. I had my computer up with another news feed going. I was flipping through the news channels and I just watched the news for like seven or eight hours. I had a lot of people who were texting me, asking me questions about it because I tend to watch the news a lot. So people were kind of turning to me. And later on in the day, I actually decided I would record a brief news segment about it and publish it to my social media channel. And that took me a while to do, but um, a lot of people had some like positive feedback about that. So that was good. But yeah, that was, that was my day just kind of watching the news, creating that news segment to share with people. And yeah, that was, <laughs> that was the entire day for me. I was just glued to the TV. Yeah, I can definitely relate. It's interesting that you had been expecting the events that occurred that afternoon because you'd been following them so closely. As someone who's been so involved in politics, how do you think we got to this point in American politics to see an event as serious and as dangerous as that one? So the first thing that I'd want to talk about is just stating the obvious. There's always been a white nationalist, white terrorist presence in the United States, whether that be the KKK in the 1930s or the Nazis in the 1940s or the neo-Nazis we've had ever since. The thing is that they've never been given a direct public platform by the president of the United States before. There have been presidents who have been, who have had close ties with these white nationalist groups, but there has never been a president that has directly encouraged and incited violence from these domestic terror groups. So that was kind of what I viewed as the tipping point. 
I was not shocked by it because that's just the type of person Donald Trump is. But I was disappointed that someone would do that. I think we all were. But I believe that had he not incited the violence, had he not encouraged them, the past four years of his presidency, we wouldn't have gotten to this point. And the reason is because these groups have always been in the United States. The only variable that's changed now is that Donald Trump was encouraging them. I really appreciate you talking about the historical background of racism in the U.S., because it's always been, and unfortunately continues to be, a horrible part of this country's history. On a more optimistic note, though, what do you think about Joe Biden's inauguration and the huge wins in Georgia? What does that mean for the future of American politics? So I'll be honest, I had my doubts about Joe Biden's presidency. He wasn't my first pick. I myself am a progressive, and he has historically been a very moderate politician. And there have been some policies he's had that I flat out don't agree with. But I am hopeful now after seeing his cabinet choices and after hearing the recent news about how he's going to be appointing federal judges based off of lists that progressive civil rights legal groups have created. So that really gives me a lot of hope. We haven't really had a president who has ever listened to these grassroots progressive movements or groups before. And I am looking forward to seeing if Joe Biden is going to be the first. And after what we've seen so far, I think there's actually a, there's a decent chance that he might be. Definitely. So you've obviously been involved in politics for quite a while now. Why do you think it's so important for young people to be involved in politics, even if they can't vote yet? I think being involved in the democratic process in any way is the most important thing we could do as Americans. Even if you can't vote, it is so important to get involved with campaigns, to get involved with grassroots movements. And the reason why is because that is the second best way to make your voice heard. I think the best way is to get out there and vote. And if for some reason you can't, the next best thing is to get out there and volunteer and make sure other people get out to vote. If you could convince other people to vote the way that you would want to vote or you would have voted, that is just as important to the democratic process. We have pretty low voter turnout in America. And if you do want to make sure everyone's voice is heard, this is the way to do it. This is the way you could remedy the low voter turnout we have and the kind of voter apathy we see in the United States. That's a really great point. I really like that. So recently you talked on a conversationalist panel about political intimidation and bullying. Have you experienced political intimidation in your own life? How did you deal with it? Yes, definitely. Especially as a progressive woman in politics, there's a lot of stigmas about that. A lot of men who are in politics will be very open about the fact that they think women are too emotional to think straight and women can't have these intellectual opinions or they can't like understand the theories that they talk about because we're too emotional or they'll cite reasons that aren't real, obviously. And that's also 
what a lot of people think about young progressives. So when you have both of those identities on you in politics, it's very difficult to have a conversation with people across the aisle. I've definitely dealt with political intimidation before. I am very open about my political opinions on social media. My social media pages are politically centered. And when I do try to have conversations with people from across the aisles, a lot of the times it will be men who I'm finding on social media to talk about these things with. It is very difficult because there's not a lot of respect. They will either say that they can't speak to me on an intellectual level because I'm a woman or because I'm a progressive and many of them will cite both of those for the same reasons. Interesting. Yeah. That's a really frustrating reality that I think a lot of people face, which is super unfortunate. I have kind of a cliche question for you now, but who would you consider to be your role model? Who do you think of when you need a little inspiration? My inspirations are probably Bernie Sanders, Ed Markey, and John Lewis. These are three political figures that no matter where they were, local, national, international standings, they really always stayed grounded and they stayed true to themselves, true to their communities, and they never lost sight of what made them want to get involved with public service in the first place, which is sadly something the majority of politicians don't have. So that's something that I've personally really admired and looked up to because if I ever do get into politics, that's something that I'll want to be cognizant of. Those are some really great ones. Thank you for sharing that with me. So I have kind of a signature question that I like to ask, and I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. Lots of young people, particularly college students, want to create change and they want to make a difference around the world. Do you have any advice that you want to share with them? So my advice right off the bat is if you want to get involved with local activism and you don't know what issues are happening on, going on in your community and you just want to kind of understand the issues that are occurring in your community, the best place you could go is actually your state senator's office. So your state senator is going to be, a, it's kind of a small office. It will be locally run. If you live in a city, it will probably just be your city. If you live in a small town, it'll be your town and the surrounding towns. And you could go there and you could just candidly ask the people that work in that office, like, what are some of the primary issues that are going on in our community? What are the financial issues? What are the social issues? Are there any like racial issues or like, are there any issues of discrimination or things like that? And they will be able to tell you about the reports they've gotten about the issues that are happening politically in your area. And you might want to start activism either with that office or from the information you learn from there. I think it's a great resource to have. And that would be my advice on where to find out the activism that you'd want to do in your community. Another great resource would be your school. If you're in high school or if you're in college, your fellow students are an amazing resource to have. So many of us in Gen Z 
are just so involved and we're so passionate about helping people in our own communities that I think you would definitely be able to find other people to start activism with if you put a flyer up, if you maybe send out an email to the school. Just some things to think about is that you could definitely find other people who would be passionate about doing the same things that you're interested in. I loved talking with Kate because I think she's really knowledgeable about the issues she's passionate about. And if she doesn't know about something, she's willing to take the time to learn more. She's so committed to making a difference in this country through civic engagement. And I definitely believe this country would be a better place if we had more people who are as thoughtful and as dedicated to helping others as Kate is. Thanks to the wonderful advice she got from President Obama, Kate recognizes that change comes when you realize that anyone can make a difference. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Kate on Instagram at law.v.on.kate, and that's K-A-I-T. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then... Be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.